Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody's week going my week last week was kind of rough i'm not gonna lie to you it was a little rough and then i realized mercury has been in retrograde or as i like to say in gatorade apparently it just ended though i was googling to see so it was from april 21st to may 14th so we just finished but like isn't there something with like the shadow or something like when it's over there's still some shadow i don't fucking know can someone tell me i don't know but i'm just gonna blame my issues last week on the stars you know what i mean the next one is until august so we have a few months to breathe god bless anyway how are we doing um let me catch you up real quick what do i have to catch you up on my life is still 50 percent in boxes my skin rash came back today which is so rude i've told you guys about this before like when I get really anxious or my immunity kind of drops, which they kind of happen simultaneously. Usually when I start to get really anxious and stressed, my immunity goes down because stress makes your immune system weak, which is rude because it's like, I'm already stressed. Now I got to be sick too. You know what I mean? And so I felt it last night. Oh my God, today's Wednesday, by the way. Wednesday, May 17th, which I love because 17 is my lucky number. Actually, seven, but like 17th is my birthday, you know? But then I also really like nine because that was my dad's lucky number. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day when, okay, wow, I'm not trying to get morbid. We're about to, this is a happy episode, okay? But when my dad passed away, um, I wanted to write something for the funeral. And so I wrote this like beautiful beautiful if I do say so myself I had everybody in tears okay it was also like cute and cheeky like you know how I do anyway it was beautiful I couldn't read it myself because bitch I just I was sobbing every second but one of my beautiful friends read it for me but anyway what am I speaking about I took my ADD um, meds today can you tell because I can't oh so I did nine at the end I did like nine promises that I did to him how cute because it's his lucky number and since then I have adopted nine as my lucky number as well. Anyway, so it's Wednesday, May 17th. It's 1.56 p.m. I'm in full sweats today, okay? Melissa would not approve. If you know, you know. I'm wearing these cute little aloe sweats and then this Amazon hoodie that I love, actually. And I've been wearing her for like three years. I mean, (laughs) for the past three days. (laughs) I'm not okay today. I've been wearing her for the past three days. Do you guys do that where like you're like, you will be my hoodie of the week and then you just wear it and wear it and wear it and wear it until you're like, okay, it's time to wash her. That's how I've been feeling with this white hoodie. I don't know why I just claimed her this week, you know? So yeah, my skin's acting up, which sucks because it's really uncomfortable and it's like itchy. And thankfully I have like meds and creams that I use for it, but it's just like uncomfortable and I'm bummed because I had this beautiful event tonight with Pharmacy, the skincare brand. Um, And 
I was so excited about it. You guys know my fear of events. We got to do a whole episode on that because I swear it doesn't make sense how I'm, I cannot shut up to save my life. I love people so much. I love being in the streets. You know what I mean? But then when it comes down to like a formal event or an event that isn't like me going out with my friends or something, like I literally collapse. Like I can't do it. I don't know why. But then once I'm there, I thrive. It's just getting me there. That is the struggle. You know what I mean? So anyway, I was really excited about this one. I was like, I'm going to go. I'm so excited. Makes me uncomfortable, but like I got to get out of my comfort zone. You know what I mean? Beautiful things happen. What is it? What's the quote? What's the Pinterest Hallmark quote? I don't fucking know. Anyway, and then I woke up with my skin like this. And granted, I can cover it up. I can wear makeup. But I will say on the day that this happens to me, it's so painful to wear makeup. It's so painful and it's uncomfortable and it's itchy and it just like alters it a little bit. That's not the right word. It it makes it angry. It makes it flare up a little bit more. And then, you know what the issue is? Is then when I have to wash my face, bitch, no. It's like, I can't do it. So I'm like giving myself a few more hours because the event's at 6 30 it's 2 p.m right now i'm giving myself a few more hours to see if it cools down because these meds be working real fucking fast i don't even want to know what's in here and if they don't work then i'm just not gonna i, I know i'm not gonna feel comfortable i'm not gonna feel like myself i'm gonna feel self-conscious that people can like see through my makeup and in pain <laughs> you know so anyway now that i gave you my whole life story i was like i'm gonna keep this intro short and sweet today because we have a beautiful episode okay i got to talk to denise lee who is the founder of alala a beautiful athleisure brand and honestly we'd never met a few minutes into the conversation i was like oh my god what an angel like i just felt like i was catching up with a friend and when we finished I was like oh my god they're gonna love this episode like that's honestly the first thing that I think about when I'm recording even alone or with somebody I'm obviously paying attention to them and I'm always like so excited about whoever I'm speaking to but what I think about like the underlying thought in my mind is are they gonna like this are my girls gonna like this and the entire time we were having this conversation I was like they're gonna fucking love her you know so i can't wait to share her with you she's just a beautiful person and is doing incredible things and i left this conversation feeling very full very inspired and very happy you know so i hope you feel the same way i hope you enjoy make sure to follow denise and alala and come say hi to me okay because i'm a needy bitch especially with my skin rash going on okay i need some extra loving yes i'm dramatic love you guys hope you enjoy i'll see you next week have a good weekend and let's get into this episode with denise yeah so hi everybody i'm denise lee i am the founder and ceo of alala which is a luxury women's athleisure line that i founded nine years ago um i currently live in new york city with my boyfriend and my two rescue dogs. And originally I grew up in Singapore, but I consider myself a New Yorker now as well. I went to Singapore when I was, I feel like too young to appreciate it the way that I would now, but I have like the most vague memories of it. And all I can remember was how clean and impeccable it was and how like mm -hmm. kind everybody was. Like, I just remember what I, the little that I can remember, I remember it being so beautiful. I can't even imagine what growing up there was like. Yeah, it is a beautiful place. It's very green. So, you know, there's trees everywhere, which compared to where I live now in New York is yeah. huge difference. 
Um, but in some ways they're very much the same because they're big cities and, you know, there's a lot of energy in, in both places, which I love. What was it like growing up there? How long did you live there for? Yeah, so I lived there for 18 years and, wow. uh, you know, I left to go to Chicago for college. Um, but I, I grew up there. My family's still there. So I got to go home. All my best friends are there. Um, wow. It's a very beautiful place. It's very sheltered in some ways, you know. Um, we didn't have to worry about a lot when we went to school. And um, it's a very small country as well. And so I felt like it feels very close-knit, which is which mm -hmm. is nice and I think mm -hmm. not something that everybody gets to experience. When you say shelter, do you mean like security-wise and just in that regard? Yeah, yeah. You know, like um, not to get into too much, but nobody's allowed to buy a gun there. You know, like nobody – the, the drug penalties are really high there. And so, mm. you know, as kids, we weren't exposed to a lot of that at all. Like even as teenagers – you know, the the worst drugs were really just alcohol and, and cigarettes. And so, uh, you know, we were very sheltered growing up. So was it a hella shock moving to Chicago after that? I can't even, were you like, what is this? I think what was the most shocking thing about moving to Chicago was, one, that it was so cold because yeah. Singapore is a tropical country. And yeah. I'm had to wear such a thick coat in my entire life so that was like a huge shock and then I think for me also um it was interesting just also like I think the social dynamics of you know coming from a place where in Singapore Asian people and Chinese people are, are like 90 something percent of the majority and then actually moving you know to a place where you become a minority was a very interesting, you know, identity shift, honestly, for myself. So was it hard to get used to? Did you, uh, did you feel like you fit, like fit in and found your groove right away? Or did it take a few, I don't know, a few years to really be like, okay, I feel at home here? Yeah, I definitely think it takes, you know, a while to get used to it, right? Like, mm -hmm. cultures are so different. Even these days, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up on the same TV shows and the same like mm -hmm. cultural events happening. So there are still times, even though I've been here, you know, 20 years now, like that I'm like, I don't understand that reference or, you know, like I've never watched that TV show that everybody my age grew up watching. And so there are little things like that, but obviously, you know, after so long you find your place, um, especially when you're in school too, you know, everybody's the same age and everybody's so friendly. And so, um, really didn't feel like so out of place after a while. Right. And being put in that environment of college and where you're destined to meet people and it really is, the environment is facilitating all these friendships, right? So yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm from Costa Rica and I was born and raised there. And, mm. you know, I grew up coming to the States like on little vacations, you know, we'd come to Disney or, or something like that. So when I moved here to go to college, it wasn't this huge, oh my gosh. Right. And I, my dad was American, so I learned English growing up. And so it wasn't this, I can't say it was this huge shift. However, I will say I fully identify with what you said of sometimes people say things and I'm like, never heard of that, never been there, don't yeah. know what that fast food place is. It, like I've never had Taco Bell to this day, which like actually doesn't even make sense because we have a Taco Bell in Costa Rica. I think that's a me thing. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> And when I tell people, they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, 
I don't know. Like cheese in a Dorito with chicken does not really call my name, even though I love those three things individually. But but yeah, I still find myself to this day. Sometimes I'm having conversations and I'm like, I don't know how to say this word. I don't know. You know, I don't know what that is. And when I do have my friends that are, I actually have a few friends that are from Costa Rica as well that live here in Miami. It's a different feeling when I'm with them because I just feel even if I have met some of them later in life, like there's a few that I didn't know growing up. I met them actually here, funny enough. We have this instant bond where it's like, we just understand each other. We grew up in the same city. Even if we didn't know each other, we had never met. And it almost just made, gave us this ability to connect so easily. You know, it's, it's such a cool thing. And um, yeah, I love that. Anyway, this is not about me. Okay, I want to talk. Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that too. You know, like, Singapore is a very small place. Mm-hmm. So when I meet somebody here who's from Singapore, it's the same thing. You're like, thing. oh my like, God. You automatically know, you know, yeah. something about that person, which feels really nice. I know. It's that homey feeling that we all love. Okay. So I want to talk about Alala. So can you walk me through graduating college to like where we're at now? If you had to spark notes it. Yeah, sure. So I'll take it back a little further. Even when I was growing up, you know, both my parents were entrepreneurs and so for me, it was something that, you know, they always encouraged us to do. It wasn't like you have to be it, but if you do want to do it, go for it. And so, you know, I've always had that in the back of my mind, like, oh, I want to do something on my own, start my own business. I just need to find my idea. Um, and my parents, my dad was a business person. My mom was more in the arts. And so I feel like growing up had a really nice balance of the two. Um, and naturally, you know, I was really interested in fashion and you know it's always been a passion of mine and so i went to northwestern um, for school and then after that i was like i really want to get into the fashion industry gonna move to new york right Mm -hmm. so ended up moving to new york and getting a job at armani exchange in the marketing department which was awesome because it was a very small team and i got to like touch everything which was like really really cool for me Um, And then, you know, kind of having that marketing background, I was thinking to myself, like, knowing that I want to start a business, um, maybe I should go back and get like a broader, you know, business experience for myself. And so what I decided to do is go to NYU for business school. And so I ended up going to NYU for two years, which was a blast. And after I graduated, you know, I'm sure a lot of you can relate, I was looking for a job and it was like not the easiest thing because I didn't want to take a very traditional path. You know, I didn't want to go work at uh, a St. Lauder or I didn't want to go work at like a big fashion company. I wanted to, I think, get a little more of that like startup um, experience as well. And this was at a time where that like, first wave of startups was really like coming up like Warby Parker or Rent the Runway. Those guys were like just starting. And so that really piqued my interest. Um, and I ended up working for a billionaire um, out of business school who um, was very involved in like the fashion and retail spaces. He was an investor. He, you know, did a lot of manufacturing also overseas. And just knowing that, I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like an amazing opportunity. And it was really funny because I actually came across the job posting um, while I was, you know, I came across the job posting from one of the like school like clubs that they had. And it was very, very- I was just gonna- Yeah. I was just gonna ask like, 
how does one find a billionaire? Like right, like just. It was like you know, looking for an associate is what he called it. Looking for an associate for you know, I don't even know. I'm sure they mentioned his name in the initial posting, but it was very vague. And you know, I remember telling my friends, my business school friends. Oh, you know, this job seems really cool. Like it's entrepreneurial, it's retail, and it has like this global kind of like footprint to it. And I just remember them saying like, oh, like, what are you going to do? You know, go get coffee for this guy. Like, are you going to be like his assistant? Like, you know, why would you want to do that? Like, that sounds so, you know, like beneath someone who graduated from a great business school. Yeah. And I was just like. I just knew like deep down inside for me, like, you know, that intuition was like super strong at that point. And I was like, I don't care what any of you think, like I'm going to go and interview. And I remember it was a Monday that I went to interview with him and he was literally just sitting in his chair, like relaxing, like talking. And we had a great interview. And at the end of it, he was like, I like you. He's like, we're going to China on Saturday. Like that same week. He's like, we're going to China on Saturday. You should come with us. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Not like, not like I'm giving you a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you want to come on a trip? Like, like, kind of like, a, like a test, like a little like test run. Casual. I guess that's like, the, that's the, you know how when you're hiring someone, you like, they do a project for you or something. I guess with a billionaire, yeah. it's. A trip to China. It's not really. I was like, I'm so there. Yeah. I was like, I'm there. Tell me where to show up. I'll be there. And I went to China with them for a week. Like, and then at the end of the week, one of his team called and said, you know, Chris loves you. Like you have the job, which was incredible. And it was the most amazing three years of my life being able to shadow. What did you say to your sorry i just need to know to your friends who were like what are you gonna do with this guy and then you leave the interview and you're like actually guys i'm going to china like i know were they like yeah what i don't think anybody could wrap their head around like, <laughs> what was happening yeah this is new like to be in proximity to somebody like that who has so much of the experience that i want you know and i want to get more of like I didn't care. Like if I had to go get coffee every day, like I didn't care, but it ended yeah. up being so much more than that. Like ended up sitting in a lot of his business meetings, um, you know, following up for him in term in, in the business sense, right? Like all these projects he was working on, like moving them forward for him. And so like, I always say it was like my second business school experience because I learned so much from, you know, working with him for three years, that it really gave me the confidence to start my own business, especially because it was in that same kind of industry, you know? Um, and I think without that, it's much scarier to start something that you know nothing about, right? And so for me, it was like this really amazing step to be able to start my own business. Uh, you know, what's crazy is I was going to ask you like something that I had in mind that I wanted to ask you was if you could pinpoint a person or a moment or an experience, like I kid you not, I have a rough outline because I just like to, you know, I like to see where the conversation goes, but I literally had that on there and I was like, I want to know if there was like a moment, a person, a situation, a position you were in that 
in some way was monumental. And you just answer the question oh, without yes. me even having to ask it, which is incredible. And I also love that you, I love two things about that. Well, I love the whole story, but I love two things about that. I love that despite what your friends were saying to you, you were like, that's okay. I'm still going to go do this. Like you had this innate feeling and, and you trusted that. I feel like that's something that is so important, especially when you're working on something on your own, when you're self-employed and you're building and you're building something that trust, I feel like I wish there was like a, a, a how to trust your intuition for dummies because it can get challenging, you know? And I also love that you you know, despite having two degrees at that point from two incredible institutions, like you still were, I don't even know what the word is, but you were willing to set that aside and potentially do things that would be under, you know, yeah. your degrees. And, and somebody could say like, you deserve more than that. Right. But you were willing mm -hmm. to look past that because you were looking at the bigger picture, which is being yeah. in proximity to somebody who's in that position and, and learning and, and, and just really taking all that in. So I think that's incredible, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think we get a lot of chances to be around these people that like I see as expanders, right? Yeah. You can like expand what you think is possible for yourself. Totally. Mm -hmm. And to be around somebody who, you know, like is self-made and really, you know, was able to grow from, from not very much to this huge success in business like it just expanded my mindset and like my knowing that like wow like he can do it you know I and you know not it, it wasn't just like spending time with him but it was spending time with all the people he spent time with right other entrepreneurs celebrities like very successful business people and just sitting there and absorbing what they were talking about to each other you're like wow like these people they think differently they speak differently they approached our problems differently it was so expansive for me. And we don't get a lot of opportunities to, to be around people like that in life a lot of times. And so I'm really glad that I took that opportunity to do, to do it. Well, it's like, you can't, you can't pay for an experience like that. You can't get that in a textbook. You're not going to get that in a classroom. Like those are moments that are so invaluable, right? So, so, okay. So you go to China, you end up working for him yep. for a few years <laughs> yep. and then where are we at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so while I was working for him, I wanted to do a triathlon. That was like on my bucket list. I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I started training for a triathlon. And while you do that, it's like two days of running, two days of swimming, two days of biking. Like, it's a lot of exercise. Yeah. And just being from the fashion space, like, I knew that if I had, you know, better clothes, like, and like clothes that I wanted to wear to exercise, it would motivate me more to work out 100%. and do my training. I feel like that's, I'm sure there's science behind this because when I like my workout outfit, I'm going to be lifting a little bit heavier that day. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just a fact. It makes you feel better, which I think just shifts your whole mindset. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go look for some new gear. And this was 10 years ago at this point. And so when I went out there, there were only the big brands. There weren't all these, you know, small kind of players in the market, smaller players. And so for me, you know, I looked at all these brands and I was like, nothing resonates with me. I'm not excited about any of these brands. I don't feel like they're like my brand. And that's when I came up with the idea for Alala. 
and it was like something that was much more fashion forward that you could wear all day um you know that really suited like my type of like new york life and that was the white space that i realized was in the market which was a great white space to recognize you know like a lot of people i think saw that at kind of the same time which was really interesting um but I had always up to that point been looking for like my idea, you know, like I feel like as an entrepreneur or someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, you're always just like, oh, maybe it's this idea that I have or maybe this one. But this one I felt like I could like hold on to and like really get behind. And so that was like the start of, you know, getting a Lala off the ground. I feel like that what you just said about the idea is so real, especially now when you know, we talk about entrepreneurship so much. And I think there's so many more people now that want to work for themselves and want to have their own company than before. If there was someone listening who was like, that's me, I'm looking for my idea, I'm looking for my thing. What would you say to them if they just can't figure it out? I would, I mean, I think it definitely has to be something that you're either very passionate about or you're really good at, you know? I would say like for me, going into creating a clothing brand was something very familiar to me. I had worked for my old boss for several years doing exactly that. He built many, you know, retail apparel brands. My dad was in the clothing manufacturing space as well. So it wasn't something that I was like, all of a sudden, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go build like an app. I have no knowledge and no yeah. experience yeah. at all doing that. Yeah. That helped me get started and like, help me go faster, right? Because I kind of knew what to do. I There were many, many things I did not know how to do still. But I think when you have like a core of like, okay, I can kind of wrap my head around like what it means to start a clothing line. Um, that was really helpful for me. And I think also, you know, the practical side of me would also say, I spent almost one entire year still working for my old boss while I was like doing research on this idea. So I didn't like, you know, just have the idea and like jump in right away and quit my job. Like I spent a whole year just being like, okay, like who's in the market? Like how much would it cost for me to like, you know, actually do this? Like what kind of experience do I need? Who else do I need to help me? I'm not a designer. So I'm like, I need a designer to help me with this. And so I spent a whole year proving out my idea to myself you know and I think that's also important because there's so much risk and uncertainty when you start your own business um it's important I think to think through a couple steps ahead and really understand what what it's going to take for you to actually get started and keep going you mentioned when you were trying to find that outfit right for your triathlon and you mentioned there were a few key uh, brands at that time and you weren't feeling called to any of them what are your feelings now being in the athleisure space seeing how it's grown seeing how so many brands now even if they were maybe only doing you know bras and and and, and undies and whatever they've now expanded mm-hmm. into athleisure like we see all, almost every brand now has some sort of athleisure or they're starting to talk to me about that has that been like so crazy to see how it's just grown so much and yeah you know I think there's two sides to it right if you look at it from like a scarcity mindset you're looking at it being like oh my god like now I have to compete with so many other brands like 
a lot of these brands maybe have bigger budgets than us and like all, you know, better, you know, more money for marketing, more money for influencers, like, and you can get really terrified. But the reality is I think most industries, right, are pretty saturated, I think. And so I don't think that is something to discourage you from starting if you're thinking about, you know, starting your own business too. I would say like a lot, especially like in consumer goods, right? It's very, very saturated. But I think when you think about it from an abundance mindset, if you shift into that and think like, wow, like the athleisure business is like a trillion dollar business. You know, women's apparel is a trillion, several trillion dollar business. Like I'm like this, you know, in this huge opportunity, like I have so much room to grow. I think like that's a better way and that's the way I choose to look at it, um, that there's so much opportunity for me. And that's something too, I think when you're, you know, if you're thinking about what idea should I start, like what should I do? I think understanding that market size is really important, right? If you said to me like, I'm gonna start making typewriters, I would be like, okay, like hold on a second. You know what I mean? But I feel like, um, if you look at it from that mindset and you say like, wow, I have all this like room to grow, that's the way you should look at it or that's the way I choose to look at it. I love that. I talk all the time about having an abundant mindset in everything that we do because yeah. if if we believe there's room for everybody, then that's what will be. Like I just I have always, you know, I just, that's what my parents taught me. And so that's how I look at every situation and I feel like it's, it makes life a little bit more fun. Let's talk about low moments for a second, like a low moment, a low season, a season of maybe unexpected change or turbulence or an unexpected reaction to a collection. If that's ever happened, how do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, the road of entrepreneurship for everybody and me included is a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, and I think it makes it more stark when there's so much money involved, right? It's like, mm-hmm. not just like a mistake, but it's a mistake that costs you thousands of dollars or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And so, um, I think some of the lowest moments for me, like 2019, we were a very big wholesale business. So we worked with, you know, department stores and, and large retailers and, things felt really good. And then part of like the trend back then with like department stores and stuff was that they would make, they would ask for like exclusive products for them. So for example, like the hoodie you're wearing, you know, maybe we, we would stock it in gray and black and they were like, we really want a purple, like this purple, make us it in purple for us, you know? And we got into a couple situations, I think, because we were so new and I'm, I'm so new at being an entrepreneur too, like that, you know, we ended up making thousands of purple hoodies for somebody and they ended up not selling, right? And then what they do is they call you and say, listen, all these special hoodies that we ordered, they're not selling, we're sending them back to you and we're not paying for them, you know? And your only two choices are take them back and eat the eat the loss or you likely don't have a relationship with that person for the next season right if you're like tough luck you ordered it like you have to keep them then they're going to be like okay next season like we're not ordering from you anymore so i think it put 
me in a really like tough spot to be like, okay, like I thought I was getting this great order from this department store and you know, six months later they turn around and be like, we're sending thousands of units of this ugly purple sweatshirt back to you that you never wanted to make in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, in those moments you're just like, oh, like it's so discouraging, I feel like, and you feel quite powerless as, you know, a small brand, like you don't have any bargaining power at all at that point. And so, you know, it was a big learning lesson for us to go through some of those like dips, especially with big partners that you would hope, you know, would continue your business forward. So definitely um, really stung at the time. But I also think like, you know, learning from that and understanding, you know, moving forward, like maybe you have to say no, you know, like maybe, you know, them giving you a $100,000 order seems great, but it might not be great in the end. And so we learn from that as we do with all our mistakes, you know, um, and I think we got a lot more like kind of we had better boundaries, I think, moving forward from there. And we were able to say, you know, like, well, maybe if you do want to do an exclusive color, you know, let's try 200 pieces and right. not like 10,000 pieces of it. Right. It's unfortunate that you had to learn the lesson that way, obviously, but an invaluable lesson at the very least, because it, you know, you took it into every situation moving forward. Um, I want to shift the conversation for a second because when we were prepping for this episode, body image was something that you wanted to chat about. And my girls that listen to this podcast know that I love talking about body image. If I could, I could talk about it all day. So I guess to like ease into it, I don't know, even know if this is easing into it, but if you had to describe your relationship with your body in one word, what would it be? Challenging. <laughs> Okay. So let's, let's, let's unpack that. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I guess when, when was the first time you perceived your body or, or realized like, oh, like you started to develop a certain relationship with the way you looked, you yeah. know? I can remember this realization so clearly, like I've never been like very big, very small. Like, I feel like I'm just like a little bit on the chubby side, you know, especially when I was a kid, like that was kind of where I was. Um, and I remember this one time, like in high school, it was like the trend to wear these kind of like right now, like these baggy, like cargo pants, right? It was like Spears was wearing and Jessica Simpson. And like, I was dying to like buy a pair of these like baggy cargo pants and I did. And when I put them on, I was like, wait, like I don't look like those people Her. in these pants. You know, I'm like, I was trying to figure out why. I was like, why don't I look like her in these pants? They look so much better on her. And I realized it's because like my thighs like kind of like, stick to each other up <laughs> and so the pants just didn't like hang the right way on me or the way that I thought they would and I was like that was such a clear moment in my head even though it was so long ago because I was like oh like I have fat thighs you know and like for me that was a moment where I was like wow like okay I like there's something wrong with me or you know I, I don't look like the way I want to look um, and you know, there have been many moments like that, 
both, I think, self-realization and then coming from, you know, the kind of family and the kind of culture that I come from, like, it might be the same for you kind of growing up, like, Asian families, they're very, like, communal, you know, your aunties and uncles, even though they might not be related, they're, it's fine to be like, oh, you got fat, or oh, you know, like, maybe you shouldn't eat that, or, oh, so much of that it makes my it makes my blood boil. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> so but it's real. Yeah, it's so real. And so by the time you're like, you know, a teenager, I think you start. I was blessed that I was already a teenager when I started to realize some of this stuff, um, and not earlier. But but it's been always, you know, a thing for me. So after that moment, did you take action in some way? Did you did you were you like, oh, I need to change this or what what kind of happened after that? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it wasn't something that it's always like in the back of my head and it always lingered, but it wasn't something where I became like so obsessed with it that, you know, I wanted to take like drastic action against it. And so for me, I've always just been this way and always just had that like insecurity um and you know like a lot of people like my weight's kind of gone up and down depending on you know the time and the season what I was going through so but I think I realize now that it's all in your head right and people say like even when you were thin like you thought you were fat like and so for me I think it's more about like shifting what's in here and the way that you talk to yourself and the way you perceive yourself so much more than anybody else can like say anything to you, you know? How did you learn that? Because I know for me, I won't tell my full story because I feel like I've, I talk about it so much, but I, I want to share with you a little bit of my journey. I was very, my body never really changed growing up. I, I developed much later. I was very thin. I joke that I looked like 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 a surfboard I was just like flat like no tits no ass just like like that and then yeah. when I turned like 20 I kind of got hips and my body changed a bit I'm I guess I would say I'm tall in Costa Rica because everybody's a little bit shorter there we got a lot of short kings everywhere here I'm <laughs> average I would say like 5'8 um so I, I, I started to feel weird I started to feel out of place there and I you know gained a little bit of weight never been anything drastic but like many of us, I was, I was trapped into diet culture when it was so heavily everywhere, right? Where we only saw one body being celebrated, where there was only one right way to eat, where people, you know, where counting your calories was the thing to do. And unfortunately, I just totally internalized that. And though I never had anyone growing up, thank God, like my parents were amazing. Yes, sometimes there were comments here and there because Hispanic people just feel like they can say anything to you that sounds mean but it's true you know my parents never told me that I needed to change my body or that I didn't look good enough or this or that but I said it to myself and I fully believed it fully 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 to the point where you know I it took over so so many of my 20s I had an eating disorder like mine was like real bad like three years ago I went to therapy to, to work on it because it was so bad and you do quickly learn you know that the eating disorder, for example, it was not about the food. It was about so much, so many deeper things, the body, the thoughts, like all those things. Like it wasn't even about the body. It was, it, it, there was so much underneath there, but I needed, like my therapist, I always say she changed my life. I needed some, I needed a soundboard to sit with me there, you know, week in and week out to really dig deep and 
and honestly build up my self-worth, which is what was completely broken, which I did to myself. Like it, you know, it's crazy. It, it, it breaks my, I always say this, but it breaks my heart when someone who is supposed to care for you and love you and protect you gives you this, 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 um, lesson of like, you're not worthy or you need to do this to be loved or whatever. I hate that that happens to so many people. What's even, I don't even, it's not more frustrating, but what's so frustrating is I did it to myself, you know? So since I did it to myself, I needed to like heal that wound essentially. So for me, it was like therapy, like truly that changed everything. So my e true Hollywood story set aside. I would love to know how you came to the to that to those realizations. You know, it's been a journey, and I won't say that there are. You know, I'm I'm a hundred percent over it. There are certainly days still that you know I don't like the way I look, or you know I feel insecure about certain things. I think it got even like more heightened, honestly, like when I started my business, right? Like. It's an activewear business. Like, you come more in the spotlight yeah. as a founder. Um, and I used to get, like, such anxiety, like, going to events that we were hosting or going to speak on a panel because I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm supposed to be, like, six-pack abs and, you know, like, super fit and I have an activewear line and, like, I look like the way I look and so... It's 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 so challenging. It's so challenging, and I feel like it's so deep rooted. I feel like for me, what really mm -hmm. helped was just getting a broader picture of your self worth. Right? It's not just your physical appearance. It's all this weird stuff that you're doing. And when I start to feel bad about myself in that way, something that you know helps me is is giving, and it's like shining my light and, and letting my light kind of like come through whether that's you know talking to a friend about their problem or you know talking with some of my other entrepreneur friends and trying to help them with their problems or even posting something on social media that you know I hope can have a positive impact on somebody else um, just like doing those things or thinking back on times where I've done things that have helped other people um, you know really helps kind of balance out that feeling of wow like I don't like the way I look or I don't you know whatever it is and so um for me it's been a lot also of not therapy but coaching and you know personal development right and working on my mindset and working on really not just focusing on what I don't like but really focusing on more of what I do like about myself and that's really helped me a lot. You know what's um, so interesting to me that you were saying because you own an activewear line, like you have to have a six pack and this and that. And it's like, but says who? Like, I hate, yeah, that, you, I hate that you even think that way. You know, it's like I come on here every week on this podcast and talk about, you know, dating and my life and this. My life is a mess. I'm single. Like, I don't have anything together. But it's like, and I know why you're saying that. I totally get it. But it's like those little things and that that is so bigger than us. That's much bigger than us. That's yeah. something societally ingrained, right? And when you just said that you still have days that you feel insecure, it's like, how could we not? Look at the world we live in. How mm -hmm. could we not have moments like that? We're human, you know? Not only are we human, but we're also women. We have 
hormones and emotions and and pressures and and oh my gosh it's like how could we not have moments of insecurity and i think also you know being a minority right as well like at the time when i was starting alala all these female founders were being you know mentioned in entrepreneur magazine or inc magazine but they all looked a certain way you know they all looked like mm-hmm. each other and i don't yeah. look like them and so in yeah. a way i was like wow like i'm not even fitting into this mold of like what this like female founder should look like but again like who said that you know what i mean and it was just like it's just all this input coming in and you're processing it and you're being like, you know, you just feel so like outside of what's being shown and what people are thinking like, oh, like she's so great and da da da. And so it did take a long time, I think, to kind of like get around that and like, you know, understand that like each of us has something really special to share with the world. And, you know, maybe there's somebody out there who looks more like me who, you know, is feeling these things and is starting their journey as an entrepreneur. But like, that's the person I want to talk to. And that's the person I want to like, you know, say like, you can do it. And, you know, you should do it because you deserve it. And so, you know, for me, that's, that's been really important as well. It's not that you didn't fit in with those female founders. It's that for so long, there was only one kind of woman being shown to us you know, and, and therefore inherently making you feel like you didn't fit in because of the lack of rep, of represent, repre, can't say the word, represent, representation. I can't say it, <laughs> representation. There are certain words that like fuck me up in English. Anyway, one more thing. My last question about body image before we have to unfortunately start wrapping it up, but with what you feel and what you've been through and your journey with your body, how does that play into the brand? Like, do you, since it is all about our bodies, right? It is all about what we're putting on our bodies. Is there a certain mindset that that you apply to the brand because of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have an all-female team on the brand, you know, and so I feel like each of us brings in our perspective Mm -hmm. on what we like to wear, what we feel comfortable in, what feels good on our body. And it's such a collaborative and important part of our design development process and even like the feedback after like you know I personally like certain pieces on me better than others right and so I think it's so important to not just you know have this perfect body fit model that we listen to but it's also important for every single one of the people on our team to say like this is what I like about this piece I wouldn't wear this because I don't like this or that you know And to get that feedback in, because it's just so important, like, I think each of us are going through this journey of getting to know and getting to love our our bodies. Um, And for Alala, it's it's a big cornerstone of what we do. And so I think having that, you know, varied feedback, you know, informs our design decisions a lot. It's also, personally for me, being, again, a minority female founder, like, the inclusion and being able to show diversity in the faces, in the bodies, you know, the sizes um, is such a key part of who we are as a brand. And we're one of the only brands that does, you know, offer inclusive sizing on some of our pieces up to like a 3X. And I wish I could do it for all our pieces, but again, like we're a small brand and there's a huge financial implications to that. But, you know, we are taking the steps to be more inclusive every season that we, you know, have pieces 
we're taking the steps to really be conscious about the models that we cast, the bodies that we show, the influencers that we work with, you know, kind of, and even on our team itself, like having open, honest discussions about our differences, I think makes us so much more vibrant and rich as a brand Absolutely. versus like just being like, okay, like we're only catering to this person, you know? And so, and this is, this is what we need. Yeah, exactly. This is what we need more this of. This is what we need more of. And so um, it's, it's a very, very big part of, you know, how it affects and impacts Alala. I love that so much. My last question for you is what is something you would tell yourself, your younger self, maybe let's talk to Denise coming out of college. What would you say? I would say to my younger self that you should trust yourself more. And for me, again, maybe growing up in an Asian household, you're always taught that, you know, your parents, your teachers, your elders, your bosses, like, listen to them. Like, they know better than you. And I felt like I spent a lot of my 20s listening to what other people thought I should do and say and behave and, you know, and I wish I had just kind of like gotten to know myself earlier and listened and trusted myself more um, when I was younger. And, you know, it's always a journey and I'm still on it now, but I wish I had started that earlier. Oh, I love that so much. I can't tell you how much I loved this conversation. Like you're amazing. Everything you're doing is amazing. And I can't wait to share this episode with my audience. I know they're going to absolutely love it. Can you tell us where we can find you, where we can find Alala? Everything will be linked, but tell us where we can find more Denise in our life. Yeah. So for Alala, you can go to our website at alalastyle.com or um, visit us on Instagram at Alala. And personally for me, um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Denise X Lee. So amazing. Oh, go. wait, one more thing. What's your favorite piece right now? Yes. Or your favorite outfit right now from Alala? Oh, okay. So summer's coming mm -hmm. and I'm not a shorts girl, but our bar seamless bike short mm -hmm. is like pretty much the only short that I will wear in the summertime. Okay. Like I told you I had big thighs and, but they, they don't pinch, they don't chafe, they look great and they come in a bunch of different colors. And being a New Yorker too, like I wear so much black, Yeah. but in this bike shirt, I will wear a purple and I'll wear an orange. And it's just like a fun little piece to add to your summer wardrobe. I don't like shirts either. So I'm going to stock these. Cause yes, do it. It's, do about, it. To get, so it's about to get so hot here already. So I'm going to stock these shorts. <laughs> okay, Denise, thank Love you it. so much. This was amazing. And I had the best time with you. So thank you so much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? 
because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.